Thank you, Alicia. That was brilliant. Thank you, youth band, as well. What Daniel didn't know when he chose the songs today was that they fit really well with what I'm talking about. So, Daniel, you've been listening to the Holy Spirit, maybe without even realising, dude. So, good stuff. Is it possible to get too close? Well, you know when you're too close with somebody you don't get close with. <laughs> Trouble is, uh, what about when that's God? Let's not be full of stuff here. Let's, let's be real. There are days, there are moments where we don't feel like being close to God. And I, I sure do that. We get a picture here that, that God is continually close to us. He's, he's not going somewhere else. He's not distancing himself. So I guess that tells us where the problem is. Probably wouldn't be him, right? If there's anyone that's got cold feet in this relationship, it's me. We get all these lovely metaphors of closeness and connection in scripture. And we get all of these, these words around how he, he's present. Nothing can separate us from him. But I, I don't know. Sometimes I do a pretty good job of separating myself from him. There are times, you know, where I don't even... I let my feelings take over and realise, hey, it feels like I don't even believe scripture right now. It doesn't feel like good here, so where'd he go? That doesn't fit with scripture because we just read a scripture that says he, he's never separated from us. So, oh, have I got a, an unbelief problem? What's the next word at the end of that scripture in the blue box? I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. It's a given that we have unbelief about something all the time. Let's be real. Okay, so if, if Christy was, uh, was laying hands on the sick in her job and just doing that and they were getting out of bed and they were walking home, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if people would be coming to Fremantle Church and the youth team are praying for them, laying hands on the sick and they're getting healed and demons are getting kicked out and people just feel dead on the inside of coming back to life. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? So I wonder, is there a space for us to recognise and just humble ourselves sometimes and go, Lord, you know what? All of this stuff about your loving kindness and you being this close. This, and all of this stuff we're supposed to be able to do like the disciples. Maybe I don't believe it. Now we don't put a full stop there. The book of Song of Songs. I think a lot of people have said some really weird things about it. It's almost like some people think it's a... Christian guide to sex or something. Uh, that's just bizarre. If we don't look at this book as a, as a story about the bride of Christ, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's the Shulamite woman and there's the king. 
and the king's pursuing and the Shulamite woman at times is very, very interested. So she's saying things like, take me with you. Come, let's run. Draw me away. Now that's a pretty good representation of the bride of Christ when we're having a good day. There are times where I'm genuinely so desperately needing God that I'll actually take this attitude of, okay, just draw me nearer. I'm having a problem getting near you, so draw me in. Do this thing. And the whole thing of the Shulamite woman story makes a whole lot more sense. And so the Shulamite woman, we see moments where she's just in this blissful rapture of, oh yeah, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Okay. Now what happens when you're kissing somebody like this? Somebody that you're very intimate with. Yeah, your lips are touching. But unless it's a short kiss, you're going to be breathing each other's breath. Let's take that analogy just for a moment. What if there are moments where we can get so intimate with God that his presence is just affecting us like every breath? Did you notice the song that these guys chose about breath today? Daniel, awesome, mate. We're going to come back to that lyric later. So that was the early part of chapter 1. But only, you only got to get to verse 6 and already she's showing cold feet. That didn't take long. So she's saying, oh... I've got too strong a suntan. For some reason she thought that was a disadvantage. (laughs) Who knows why? Uh, She'd been doing a lot of work in the vineyards of her brothers. Apparently her brothers forced her to do a lot of the work on their properties and she wasn't even getting to look after her own stuff. So all of this stuff starts cascading out of her. It's like all the reasons why... I couldn't possibly be this close to you. See, I'm not good enough. I don't look right. I don't even look after my own things because I'm so busy doing things for my brothers. So she's got all of these reasons for not doing the let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Whenever we are having a particularly bad day, we're going to have a whole range of responses in our nervous system. So people who don't know me, my name's Owen. I have a counselling practice, been doing that for many years. So I've taken a particular interest in what happens to our nervous system and how we can get used to tracking our nervous system, paying attention to it, learning from it and not letting it run us crazy. So let me give an illustration here. I know a, a, a woman as a five-year-old girl. She was in the back seat of her car. Her uncle's driving. Auntie's in the front passenger seat. Uncle and auntie have got a baby which is in a bassinet in the back 
on the back seat. So this is before the days of, hey, you've got to have a capsule for a car and all, all that. And they were, they were meeting other family members who were all gathering at a farm dam for a picnic. Now, Uncle had a bit of a reputation for trying to get a rise out of people. As the vehicle's approaching the dam, he feigns brake failure. Oh, we're all going to die, we're going to drown, the car won't stop. And the five-year-old in the back seat obviously believes him. She begins screaming. She's flailing, screaming, and she's just about to reach for the handle of the, the door to leap out onto the ground while the car's moving. So she's now in a, in a frenzied, uncontrolled trauma response. Right down the right hand end. When she looks across at the baby and thinks, I've got to stay here to keep the baby running. This is a five-year-old child, okay? So what happens next? She goes from the right hand end to the extreme left hand end where she passes out. Her nervous system became so immobilised, she shut down. You can't get more shut down other than dying, I suppose, than passing out. And after the event, the family made her out to be the bad guy, that she took it all too seriously. And when I was hearing the story, my <laughs> I'm getting steam coming out of my ears thinking, these were two full-blown trauma responses, and the family's treating the kid like the kid had the problem, and not uncle, what on earth? <laughs> so <laughs> I would have liked to have got hold of that uncle. <laughs> okay, last Thursday night. Two, two days ago. I catch up with David and uh, Andrew at the Dome Cafe at Deep Water Point. Where were you, Mike? Um, and we have a Bible study there. After the guys leave, we'd been talking about Acts, and I, I get a bit excited when I read the book of Acts, and I think, well, these, these guys that were going around healing the sick, it's like, awesome. And it motivates me. It stirred something up in me. And after David and, and Andrew left, I needed to go somewhere because I'd been drinking a little bit of, bit, bit of water. And as I'm walking through the restaurant, there's three young ladies sitting at a table. One of them's got a leg propped up on the, on the chair because she's obviously had surgery or some injury. And it's got that white cylindrical wrap around the leg, probably in some sort of recovery. And I thought, oh, if I put, put my money where my mouth is, I'd be praying for her. And I walked past. So my response wasn't to be kind of regulated and going, the Lord would love me to do that. Wouldn't that be just so easy? Wouldn't that be a, a fun thing to do? Immediately I, I started going to the orange zone. It only took seconds. I'm going, oh, <laughs> This is scary, this is uncomfortable. Ooh, and I went off to the Louvre, came back out. I'm thinking on the way back out, do I go over to that table? Do I pray for this girl? And I walked straight past and out the door. But something happened. <laughs> it's like as I was walking, it felt like the front of me was 
like a little bit too heavy. And I thought, right, this could be God. I thought, well, if I turn around and it stops, I'll know it's God, right? So I did, and it did. So then I'm thinking, how do I do this? So I'm back in my orange zone again. Quite nervous. Noticing my nervous system's heart rate's up a little bit, a bit tense, not, not totally comfortable. And I decided I'd sit there on my iPhone and think about this. I actually recognised one of the white people from another dome cafe. And so he's, he does a brilliant service. So I thought, yeah, I'll get on the dome website and leave positive feedback for him. And good Christian thing to do. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm putting off the whole idea of going to that table. And I'm now getting more in the red zone. It wasn't easing. So I've got cold feet. Do I want to take a risk and do something outrageous with God and see what happens? Probably not. But while I'm doing this thing on my phone, it just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me to assure me that he was about to do something. He was about to add something in my life that mattered. And I had a, a really good thought. I thought if I waited around like I was thinking I should do until the other two leave and she's hobbling out on crutches, that could be creepy if an old bloke like me comes up to her. So it would be less creepy if I went there when there's three people still at the table. One for me. <laughs> and so I did. Wandered up, said, G'day ladies, I'm a Christian. Um, like to pray for people. I see you've, your legs uh, in recovery. Would it be all right if I prayed for you? And she said, yeah. And I said, oh, would it be all right if I did that now? Now she started getting cold feet. Oh, look, my friends are about to leave. And I said, well, would a 60-second limit be all right? Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, my name's Owen, by the way, and she introduced herself as Ella. This is a name that God put on my heart six months ago. When, when a name just pops out of the blue where God brings a name to my mind and I haven't met anyone that week. It's like, for some reason, I remember these names for months. It's like, when is an Ella going to turn up? Here she is. Okay, so I prayed for her, but I was still very, very nervous and finished up. I didn't ask questions. It's have a good day, ladies, and bumped into a chair. I was still <laughs> struggling to manage my nervous system and got out of there. And as I was driving away, the Holy Spirit just breathed the word to me, health, just to assure me he had done something for that girl. Now, I would love to say that I was really rested through this story, but no, no way. <laughs> I don't know what the end of this story is going to be. And I'm trying to train myself to be okay with that. What if she got healed right away? Wouldn't that be awesome? One of the things I thought the Holy Spirit asked me to pray for her while I was praying was that she would feel warmth. I didn't even check in with her whether she felt warmth. But boy, if she did, 
She knows that she knows that God is good and she has tasted and seen that he's good because she knew as I prayed for warmth, she got warmth. I also prayed for peace for her from here to her big toe. Now, if she actually felt something that resembled peace, she has tasted and seen that he's good and she is never going to forget that. Will she end up in a church somewhere? That's the Holy Spirit's business. Do I care about that? Yeah, I do. Would be nice to know the end of the story, but I'm going to get used to the idea that I may not hear the end of the story. However, if I'm going to go on adventures as the bride with Jesus, they might look a little bit more like this a bit more often. If you like Alan White quotes, he's a really good one. We as a group of people are supposed to be expecting that there are a whole lot of things that get transformed in us. Physically, mentally, spiritually, something's going to shift. If we're doing this journey with Jesus for real, And it's going to involve intimacy. Sometimes it takes a little bit more. Sometimes we actually need to get a bit aggressive with our own thinking. I had to repeatedly beat down my own thoughts on Tuesday night. I noticed that there was some strongholds of fear, embarrassment, shame even that I was facing as I had to make that decision. And I, was, I sure was having arguments with myself about whether this was a good idea or not. <laughs> and I needed God's help to get me over that line. Don't ever think you can do this on your own. We were never supposed to. So here are some examples, you know, with my clients, I, I sat down and wrote this some years ago, just based on the way I fall flat on my face with hopelessness thinking. I thought, well, let's use my experience to give clients an idea how they're doing it to themselves too. So one of the kinds of things I was doing was basically writing myself off as a, as a Christian who could see somebody healed yet again on Thursday night. So there's a whole lot of all-or-nothing thinking that starts cascading in. Ah, oh, it's years since you've prayed for somebody and they got healed. Why would God do? Why would God do that through you? Yeah, you haven't done that for so long. Now, all of these thoughts, always, never, every, they're exaggerations. If somebody uses one of those words in an argument with you, they're immediately wrong because they're an exaggeration. It's very rare that somebody does something 100% of the time, including me. But I may get a, a shift if I actually said to Jesus, right, I've got this history of exaggerating. I use these never statements so often. Jesus, would you affect me? Would you come into my thinking? Would you change me? And the operative word from the scripture down at the bottom is let him. 
It's not about me trying harder. It's about let him. I am not going to change rapidly if I'm not letting him do the change. So here's some more ugly, hopelessness kind of thoughts. It's no point. Nothing will ever please you. It's utter waste trying to do this. This is a totally bad situation. Some of the sort of thoughts I was having Thursday night. I concentrated on letting his presence affect me for a little while. He spoke to me and this, this kind of thinking started to fall over and I realised this could be about to be something cool. So, yeah, look, I, I won't dwell too long on this. These are lots of the different ways that we generate hopelessness. But none of them fit scripture. Because scripture says things like, God makes all things possible. That's the truth. And the stuff I'm, I'm making up is not the truth. He has these plans to give us a hope and a future, not to harm us. That thing on Thursday night wasn't to scare me, hurt me, cause damage to me. Because I dared to take a risk, he got to do something. So we've got that little bar in the corner. Yeah, Lord, I believe all things are possible, except that part of me doesn't. Lord, I believe this, this thing that's about to go down is going to be good, but part of me doesn't. I think that's the most honest way we can approach those moments where we need, we need something to change. All of these things, we can capture them in the moment. Don't wait until bedtime to get beside your bed and pray them down. While you're feeling it, while you're in the middle of it, turn towards him and go, Jesus, change this. Jesus, I'm letting you, I'm letting you in. Do, the, do this now and see what starts to happen. Let him. So if you're going to let him, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, think about breathing in his presence, where his presence starts to come into everything you're feeling, everything you're thinking, every reaction, every attitude, now, it probably won't be very long and God's going to give you some practice with this. There'll be a situation that's going to come up where you realise you're having a big reaction to something. That would be a perfect time. To become one when we breathe his presence in and we let him do things. James, have you got that lyric chorus? Daniel, you're awesome. It was the lyric he chose earlier. Isn't that beautiful how it fit the sermon topic for today? God strikes again. 
Now, I'm going to invite you to take a moment. I love the mist image in the background, that moving mist. Last time I preached here, I asked people to think of mist. The Hebrew word for it is ed, E-D. First mentioned in Genesis in the garden. God's presence is in that form. Just like if we dropped the temperature about 35 degrees in this room, we would see everybody's breath. Right now we can't. God's presence is the same. Right now we might not be seeing his presence. doesn't change the fact that he is here. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit in a minute to convict you of one thing that happened this week where there's an attitude that is still running, a fear that's still operating, a thought that's still pretty toxic, a particularly smelly kind of position you're taking to somebody else in a relationship. And my challenge is, in the next minute, breathe in his presence, relax your grip on it. Stop resisting, even if you've got cold feet right now. So Holy Spirit, would you introduce us to that one thing that Jesus is just itching to get to, to change in us? Now just pay attention to where your thoughts are going, people. Holy Spirit's here. Some of you are already letting his presence in. When he says, behold, I make all things new, it's, what you're hap- it's what's happening in this room. As you're letting him in, as you let him kiss you with his mouth and breathe his breath, you get to change.